My comrade, Byron Lopez, is going to gripe. And we're also going to have an extended interview with Angel Batawi, a wonderful musician. So, my name is Brandon Payton Curio. Let's get this thing rolling. Gotta, gotta gripe! Brandon, I have a gripe. Ooh, let me hear it. Okay, so I regretfully, uh, I'm very online, mm-hmm. and uh, one of those things uh, that I'm very online about is uh, is Reddit. Uh, Reddit, and occasionally I go onto uh, like Lefty Poll on 8chan, not to participate, but just to like see just how bad things are, because um, it, it very much is the ass, the ass crack of the internet. Yes. Uh, and like, I'm seeing this kind of growing tendency within the left of like it's it's very much been called like anti id poll leftism, like anti identity politics. Um, kind of this weird, very knee jerky react, very knee jerky on like very almost I would I would outright call ignorant reaction to identity politics and and it's you know and and it is actual and it's actual co optation by uh, liberalism and capitalism and the state. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's and you kind of see a few outbursts of it, like when you, especially when it comes to organizing, which hopefully a lot of these people don't fucking organize. They they're just they're just online. That's all they do. And I'm almost thankful about that. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like thank God I don't have to interact with you because you would be like you would cause more problems than solve. Um. So like you know, it's like whenever you see someone post like. Oh, we need to uh, target the white working class more. We why why, you, why, why do we keep focusing on uh, sexism and racism? Uh, why do we, uh, you know, like all this, uh, like all, all this focus on identity is, is holding back socialism? Um, and of course, identity being anything that anything that isn't um, the working class, anything that isn't like the working class, and by working class they mean white working class, because that's usually the target they're aiming for. Um, you know, like right, just recently there was a, a, a comment, I'm not going to say who, but there was like a, a medium post that said like, you know, the white working class is ableist. So like, so why are we freaking out about ableism in general? Um, <laughs> so, and, and that just kind of like, I, I had to like stop reading for like a hot second and just like scream into like a pillow or something. Like I, I, I couldn't like hold back the rage anymore. Cause like. I, as a person of color, I've been dealing with this shit for so fucking long within the left, and, I, it's, and it's really pissing me the fuck off. I'm a fairly cl- calm and collected guy, but, like, even I have limits. <laughs> yeah, you're normally pretty chill. Why was um, ableism the target in this particular instance? Well, because um, it was – there was a few comments made by someone in uh, some leaked documents, uh, and this kind of – Someone, someone in their infinite wisdom wrote a medium article like defending the person 
who made these ab- made these ableist comments and, and the way media only medium posts can do uh, made things worse. Mm. <laughs> um, and like it, it's a it's this is like a just kind of like brought back all this history of bullshit that like anyone who isn't a cis het white dude uh, within the left has dealt with um, within you know within like socialism and anarchism and, and communism, um, especially when it comes to like online. Um, when it comes to people who can who have the anonymity of the internet to just post whatever fucking bullshit comes to their mind, like uh, especially when it comes to like ableism specifically, it's like, oh, why can't we say the word crazy? Like, why can't we say all these like uh, words anymore without really kind of using that critical thinking and looking at the words and the history behind them and how they've been used and how like really hurtful it is to the people that it's you know almost always targeting at um, and just how casually we throw it around. Like we don't say the N word anymore and there's a good fucking reason why it's like, and it's, it's the same with like the reason we don't call people schizos anymore. Like where we don't people, we don't call people, you know, other horrible things. Uh, like we don't call people wetbacks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very thankful as a Latino for that. Like, cool. We don't call like generally people don't fucking call me that. That is, that is good as an objectively good thing. Why can't we do the same for like our, you know, mentally disabled comrades? Why can't we fucking do the shit, same shit for them? Why can't we do the same thing for women? You know, like, why do we keep calling women who don't agree with us bitches? Like, why the fuck do we do that? <laughs> like, at no point do they analyze what they say because they don't want to analyze what they say. They, they just want to keep going on on, what, on the assumptions they've always had in their lives. Like, and they feel like just because they're socialists and because they believe in abolishing capital that they're right about everything. It's the same thing with like new atheists. Just because they think uh, God doesn't exist, uh, which really, which I also believe in, like, doesn't mean that like fucking like uh, Stacy's don't want to fuck you uh, because you're like a nice guy or because like you're not a fucking Chad. It's like no, it's because you're a fucking asshole, <laughs> and and you're too self centered to realize that. Now I just realized you conflated incels with um, with these white privileged. I don't know, for lack of a better word, Bernie Bros. Because that's let's be honest. That's what. No, it's, it, no, it's, it's more like uh, I was complaining with the new atheists because they tend to also there's tend to be a lot of overlap. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed, um, but it's it's the same mentality in that the fact of that you have one thing right that you're right about literally everything else. Okay. Yeah. So would you say this is anti-identity socialism? Does it go hand in hand with white privilege? It very much does. It's it's like the vast majority of the people um, who are making these claims are white people, are people who, who have you know white privilege. They may acknowledge it on some level, but they don't actively do anything to combat it. Um, they don't do – they don't really analyze their speech. They don't analyze their actions. Um, they don't analyze uh, the system itself. Uh, these are people who say if you abolish capitalism tomorrow, uh, racism and sexism will also go away because, you know, uh, Marx said uh, – Marx. Uh, they mentioned Marx and the superstructure um, mm-hmm. and the base, uh, even though, like, it's a lot more complex than that. Like, they forget, like, Engels wrote a whole book on the origin of the family – and it was like one of the like one of the and really helped like uh, propel uh, early feminism into the main into the mainstream in like the, in like the mid eighteen hundreds. Like they just forget that. Like as if if you're if you 
even somewhat have your like a finger in identity politics that you're cursed forever that like you you are incapable of bringing about revolution while totally ignoring that the black panthers and like um and the young lords and you know all these other groups also exist and did amazing things by focusing on on radical identity exactly i, I really see your point on that um, but would you also say these same individuals as much as they always like the working class and they fetishize the working class but let's just single out the activists or the supposed activists in this i don't ever see those cats actually canvassing or tabling where working class people exist yes yes oh my god yes okay so there's this concept called workerism where it's uh, like it's it's this weird thing that happened in uh, in France during like nineteen during the nineteen sixty eight uh, May days mm-hmm. uh, when like France was having this you know you know where, like most of France essentially shut down um, the the kind of intellectuals slash students obsessed about the working class and about the the working class in general like um, they didn't really specify that much about gender or race or anything like that or um, or identity they just very very predominantly focused on the working class and the working class. Like they were wholly separate from the work class. They didn't. They didn't know like, any workers. They they were like college students who never left campus um, and only really talk with their professors. Like they don't go out and actually be, do, actually do organizing with like working class people and notice that like oh most modern working class people don't work in industrial jobs in the in the in the Midwest. They work like service jobs. They work contract jobs. Most of them are people of color. Most of them are women. Uh, like, you know, a good chunk of them are, you know, a, a good chunk of like the lower working class, like the lower tiers of the working class are like horribly, like horribly oppressed minorities in society. And they claim to like that only the white working class are the people we should focus on. Like, that's like, no, I, I don't see the logic in that. Like, no, these are like the people who are suffering the most under capitalism and the state um, are the people we should be focusing on the most. Because they're the ones who like need the most help in organizing, in order to like get the hell out of there, <laughs> in order to like at least make, at least do like in the short term actual improvements in the material conditions, and in the long term to abolish the systems that oppress them in the long term. So like, so I so I don't understand that weird logic that they have, this weird workerism that's very inherent, like kind of very like inherently uh, like racist. Um, and it's like it's automatically assumed like when you talk about workers in general, it's almost always assumed white workers, like white cishet white dudes, like working in a factory somewhere, even though those factories don't exist anymore. Don't exist anymore. And the funny thing is, too, because, yeah, they assume that and they buy into that. But if they are activists and organizers, I haven't seen anyone talk about going into, you know, the trailer parks and organizing, you know, for them to, you know, own their trailer park. I don't see where them going, you know, organizing in front of a Walmart and to try to help Walmart employees or people who shop at fucking Walmart. Yeah, because, like, again, like, sadly, like the mo- like most of the left, they're all online. And, you know, you know they, they may have, like, genuine reasons, like they have social anxiety or they have some sort of disability that makes it hard to go out. But, like... 
the vast majority are like people who are perfectly able to go out and do something. Like they have, you know, they may not have money, but they definitely have time. Um, so like, but like they're really obsessed with the white working class, and that's because they most like because like in a weird twist of irony, like the people who say this usually aren't white working class; they're white middle class who are downwardly mobile and know they're going to be white working class soon, or they're already or they're almost there. So they're mainly cush. Like I, I feel like they're mainly there to cushion themselves because they know where they're going. So down. of course they pro- and they prioritize them their their own group rather than like people who are even further down than them. So what's the solution? What can we do as POCs to stop this from being a thing? Well, you know, one very clear thing is to make that very to make kind of your what well, kind of what we're saying here. To make it, you know, a lot more concise and clear, and you know, maybe not as antagonistic, um, to you know, your white comrades, have them know, like, you know, my revolution shouldn't have to wait for yours. Like, they, they can both happen simultaneously. It's it's possible. Like, you know, um, in Spain during the Spanish Revolution, the anarchists, you know, the even even like the most hardcore anarchists in the CNT, of you know, the men still try to like suppress the you know a woman's revolution within uh Catalo- within revolutionary catalonia and the women were like no like why should we wait we shouldn't wait we're not going to so they formed their own militia units they formed like they organized themselves and they told the men to you know like we're here we're gonna fucking do this whether you like it or not we're part of this and i feel like white people have to acknowledge this have to acknowledge that like yes they're you know, they have to not just not just acknowledge white privilege. Anyone can acknowledge white privilege, but it takes an extra step to have to then take action against that privilege to to actively work to dismantle it, not just um, in the system itself, but internally within you, within the individual. So basically, some real deal, no bullshit solidarity. Yes, like you have to, you know, you have to put your body. Uh, you have to put your body and money where your mouth is. Like, if you actually give a shit about, um, like, socialism and the working class, okay, fucking, okay, help us then. You know, help us help you. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll all be better off. Yes. We will achieve uh, socialism. It will abolish racism. We'll abolish uh, gender. We'll abolish ableism. And these these can all be worked on at the same time. You'd be surprised. So, how are you feeling now? Uh, a little riled up, but like I, it feels good to vent. <laughs> good, good, good. Just let it all out. Let it all out. Oh yeah, <laughs> the ultimate uh, subtweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Byron. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for listening. Oh, anytime. Uh, That's your back. Uh, God, I gotta drive! <laughs> Alright, switching gears from anti-identity socialism, which is not cool, to our interview with Angel Bat Dawid. She's a Chicago musician, composer, clarinetist, everything else under the sun, and pretty much awesome. So, um, here's her story in her own words. Enjoy. My name is Angel Bat 
Brown Reed. I am a woman, black woman. Occupation, I'm a musician, artist, composer, clarinetist, pianist, black American traditional music composer. Bam. I play traditional black American classical music. That's what I play. That's defined as music that was made specifically by people of African descent who were enslaved here in this country and in their oppression and slavery, they made a certain type of musical sonic uh, sound vibration and um, I play that type of music that was that is one of America's only like traditional music. It's the only only one, and I play that. Uh, well, musical journey started uh, very young. I love music. I just wanted to play music. I started uh, formally being trained in music lessons first and then um, I wanted to play more instruments I really wanted to play violin because when I was about four years old the movie Amadeus came out and I loved that movie because it was just like all the elements and then I loved it because there's a scene where Amadeus he gotta be like four or five years old and he's playing the piano and I'm like what kids can do that I wanna do that and then there's a part where he gets up and he starts playing the violin and they blindfold and he's playing it. And I'm looking at my dad in the theater. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that. So I bugged him for years. And then, um, so I really want to play that. But when I went to school in, um, let's see, 11, when I'm like in sixth grade, you know, my school didn't have, the, the orchestra was filled up. So they were like, well, we got this clarinet. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I was really disappointed. I'm like, I don't know what that instrument is. It looks goofy. All I see is like corny white dudes playing it all the time. I don't want that, you know? So, but, um, you know, it was the only one they had, so I took it and then I went home and I, and I started enjoying learning how to play it. And um, we lived in the library. My mom would like take us to the library and, you know, they used to have cassettes you could check out. And so I had uh, found a cassette. It was Mozart's clarinet concerto. And the clarinet was doing like, all this crazy stuff. I'm like, Just started working making money um 
which was cool, but I was miserable because I wasn't doing what I love, which is playing music. So I worked for a good seven years where music was kind of like second and work was first. And I thought that was a problem. That was a problem. I did a pie chart and I was like, hmm, 80% of my life either has to do with work, getting to work or coming home from work. This is a problem. You know, or if I'm off, okay, I got a few days off, that's in context to work. So I was like, okay, I got to change my idea of work. And I went on this whole mission to change that with like positive thoughts and all this kind of stuff. I did it and it worked. After a few years of changing my thoughts and making what I felt important be important, it ended up that I had an opportunity to just take a year off. And it was that, it was 2014. And ever since then, I've just been taking care of the work. So now that the, the pie chart is different now. Now the pie chart is my life. It's not music and then my life. It, this is my whole life now. separation of church and state in angels okay there's no separation of church and state music is spirituality it's my life it's not some career or oh, trying to get famous and trying to make all this money that don't make no sense it's just this cause like nobody has to recognize me right now i'm gonna still do music i'm not gonna stop no one has to fund me you don't even have to pay me because you can't pay me enough. It's like a slap in the face. You know, when you play your soul and you're playing yourself, what kind of price tag can you put on that? That ain't nothing but slavery anyway. When you can put a price tag on somebody's soul, you can buy somebody? That's called slavery, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not a slave. I'm a free musician. So I play free music. There's no, there's no, oh, this is just a gig. No, that's a spiritual thing that I'm doing every time. And the whole purpose, uh, my creative process is that like this, this music has to have intention. Um, what am I trying to do? And I do have a strong intention about what I do. It's very, very strong. I believe in this music. I don't believe it's just no sort of page. It's a power. How you think they built the pyramids? They use sound. They use sonic power. And when you put intention on it, you can change the world. to shatter systems is, is you can do it covertly I covertly do it you know um, like the spook that sat by the door okay you know what I mean um, no one has to know now, they just think I'm just like a hippie oh she's just a little free musician no I got like strong ideas of how I think this music should be used and I'm gonna follow that that's my creative process. If it's not, if it's not something that is uh, has purpose or intention, I'm poor. I'm not gonna do. It. You know, I've had instances where I perform with some people, and the vibration, the energy, was just off. And I stopped the performance because I'm like, I'm not a robot or a karaoke machine. 
I will walk right off the stage. I don't care. Because what? You, what, you don't blackball me? I don't care. Like, I don't care if I get blackballed. I don't care if somebody doesn't like what I do. Which rarely happens. Hardly ever happens. Because when you're authentic, it doesn't matter what you play. People love that connection to us being authentically ourselves. And I try to be as authentically angel as possible. You know, and it doesn't seem to really bother people that much. In fact, I think it encourages others to be authentically themselves, which I love to see because we're all different. You know, I hope that my music will help people not want to be more like me, but want to be more them. Music moves politics. Music moves things. Let's think about some of, like, okay, let's talk about, like, the civil rights era, like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, everything. What kind of music was coming out at that time period? Some of the best music ever. We still listen to the music from that time period. So that tells me that the music pushed the politics and vice versa. They have this relationship with one another. Um, music, protest songs, some of the most like important ways to, to for change the music that goes with the politics not just the talking of it, but the music that goes with it so that goes back to what I was saying earlier how like there's no separation between church and state you know this it's just not there's no separation of the spirituality from music especially people like of African American African descent we come here our ancient culture did not separate music you know, you had songs when you were cooking. You had songs in the field. You had songs. It wasn't like a recording industry where it's like, oh, you can sing. Let's let's go get a recording contract and get famous. That didn't make no sense back then. It was just like, well, we're just singing because it feels good. You know, we have rituals and observances of, of days and things. And there's music connected to that. There's music connected to every political viewpoint. You know, what is that? What does it sound like for today? What do I fear? Yeah. See, I fear, I don't want to be afraid of anything. So if I have fears, that bothers me. Having fears bothers me, and I work on not having fears. So if I have fears, um, which I really—it's it's more of like a, I don't have any set fears. Now during the day you have like little things that come up, but when fears come out, that's an indication that I'm not being authentic somewhere. You know, it's more of like a—I don't think a fear is like a, oh I'm scared. I think of it as like oh there's an indication that I need to go back, rewind within myself and see what's going on because there's really nothing to fear. Like, that's a lie. I mean, what am I afraid of? No no one can do anything to me. You know, even if you enslave me and put me in jail, it's like, you can't enslave my mind. You know, I can think whatever I want to think. Who 
who's going to stop me? I can pray for whoever I want to pray for. And I can believe whatever I want to believe. Who's going to stop me? The only person who can stop me is myself. So I don't know if I, I fear anything. I think it's more like, you know, fear is an indication that I need to do some inner work somewhere in my life, you know? I'm looking forward to doing more of what I'm doing. Because right now, at the moment, I feel like I've arrived. Like, I'm here. I'm where I want to be. I am completely where I want to be. I'm doing music all the time. I'm doing music all the time. I'm doing what I love to do. I've made it. So what does that mean? Yeah, it doesn't look like it to people. They're like, wait, Angel, you ain't got a car I was like, let me just put it out there. You know, I got this opera. 
yes to my vision. Like, I want to give him something. So I'm like, I got to raise money. So I just put it out there. It's the overwhelming support that I got. I was like, that's the untapped waters. Then you get support from your community and your friends. That's where we get it. And that's just, that's what we need to go back to. Because the record industry is a, you already know. Look what they done done to music. It's exploited, it's a commodity. And then the, the stuff that they put out is just like, they just put it out just to get more money. And it's just not working. It's out of balance. Alright gang, we come to the end of another episode. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Now remember to follow us on Twitter at movement underscore color or contribute to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com backslash movement of color. That's how we're able to keep up making these fat beats and telling you these compelling stories. So please be a part of the movement. Help us out, and we'll be building something together. Until next time, my name is Brandon Peyton Carrillo. The movement of color.